let us now read together from the Heidelberg Catechism, our Confession, Lord's Day 9. There we find God's Word summarized as follows. What do you believe when you say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, that the eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who out of nothing created heaven and earth, and all that is in them, and who still upholds and governs them by his eternal counsel and providence, is for the sake of Christ his Son, my God and my Father. In him I trust so completely as to have no doubt that he will provide me with all things necessary for body and soul, and will also turn to my good whatever adversity he sends my way in this life of sorrow. He is able to do so as Almighty God, and willing also as faithful Father. Beloved congregation, brothers and sisters, some time ago as I sat on a plane about to take off, I remember looking out one side of the plane window and that side showed a beautiful sunset. You could see the skies, various colors as the sun sank below the earth. From that perspective, everything looked peaceful and serene. But as I looked through the window on the other side of the plane, I saw a completely different picture. I saw angry gathering clouds, gray and black, and knew that a storm was about to unleash its fury. Beside me was a woman who obviously was nervous about flying. She kept looking out of that one side of the window that showed the gloomy and threatening weather. As we took off, she continued looking out of that side of the window, becoming increasingly nervous. It didn't help that right after takeoff, the ride was bumpy for a time as well. I thought to myself, why doesn't she look out the other side of the window? She would feel much less anxious. We're on the same plane, including the pilot, and we're all going to the same destination. The pilot know what, knows what he's doing. He wouldn't take off if it weren't safe. And I thought to myself, isn't that the way it is with life as well? As Christians, we all go to the same destination as we make our way through life. But as we go through life, we sometimes look at the wrong side of life. Some people do that all the time. Perhaps some of you do that as well. So let me ask you, is your life full of anxiety and tension? Do you constantly look at all the things that can and do sometimes go wrong? Are you scared when things get a little bit bumpy? Are you afraid all the time? Well, then change your view 
Look out the other side of the window. Look at God's creation and notice how wonderfully he has made it. And there is an immense beauty in God's creation. Through your eyes of faith, you can see that only an almighty God could create something as beautiful and intricate as this. And that only almighty God can control our destiny. Well, sure, because of sin, this creation is full of dangers. There are earthquakes, floods, hurricanes, tornadoes, ice storms, things that break down and fail and deteriorate. Unexpected things can happen to you and me personally. There are wars and conflicts. You can lose your health and your possessions. A lot of bad things can happen. But let's not forget that we as believers are all going to the same destination and the same pilot is in control, which is the Lord God himself. And he wants you to trust in him. He has created the vessel that you travel on, this whole earth, the entire universe. You can safely put your life in his hands. That's what I want to preach to you about. We will see that my faithful father is the almighty creator who safely guides us to our destination. And we will see that we must, in the first place, carefully observe the miracles of his creation. And secondly, completely trust his ability to guide us to our destination. Lord's Day 9 begins where the Bible also begins, namely with our creation. You would expect, therefore, that this Lord's Day would address some of the problems people have with creation. For example, the fact that God created all things in six days and that it did not come about through evolution or any other means. You would expect the emphasis to be on the Almighty Creator and what He is able to do. But that's not the case. The emphasis is not first on God as creator, but on God as the eternal father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is also my father. Indeed, creation is mentioned in this Lord's Day, but the main point is that the eternal father of our Lord Jesus Christ is also my God and my father. He created this world for his children, for you, and for me. And that's also how you must see Genesis 1. In the first chapter of the Bible, we get the diary of our Lord God, wherein he describes how he lovingly prepared a wonderful home for us. It's a home which has as its roof the changing cloud formations and the sun for central heat acting as a permanent light at the same time. It also has the moon and the stars that light up the sky at night. And the home has various carpets, grass, trees, and plants. It has mountains and valleys, and the cupboards of the house are full. There's fruit on the trees, wheat and barley in the fields, and plenty to eat. The Lord God also put the animals on the earth for man to play with and to delight in. He prepared the earth lovingly, 
like a father and mother do when they expect a child. They select a bedroom close to their own so that they can be there whenever the child needs them. They put everything there for the baby to be comfortable, a soft, warm bed, a change table, toys, and calming colors and pleasant decorations. And when everything is ready, then the baby can come. That's also how God prepared the earth for us. He made everything ready for his children, for Adam and Eve and their offspring. God created them in his image. The man and the woman were created to be different from all the other creatures in that they would be his special covenant children. Adam and Eve and their offspring would inherit the whole earth. And God intended that man would live in that home happily and contented forever. And he would be close to them. He would be next door, so to speak. You could call upon him at any time. And he would help you and nurture you. The author of Psalm 104 greatly appreciated the home that God created for him. He sees the hand of his heavenly father in everything. He observes God's wonderful creation around him and views his surroundings and views them as a radiant and stately robe with which the invisible creator has clothed himself to display his glory. He looked around and stood in awe of the beauty of the sky, the shifting clouds, and the sun's rays. He felt the sand at the seashore between his toes and the cool water as it lapped against its, his legs, how the waters of the seas are kept within their boundaries. The waters can only go so far, and then they return to where they came. And he looked at the raging rivers and how they flowed between the mountains. He saw how beautifully God made everything and how the waters served to quench the thirst of all kinds of animals, the birds and the beasts of the field and the wild donkeys. And when he heard the roar of a lion, he understood that this was the lion asking for its food from God. He saw God's hand in all of creation. When he heard the thunder, he heard the voice of God. He stood in awe of how the birds make their nests and how the stork makes a home in the pine trees. He was excited by how everything happened with seasonal regularity. There's the rhythm of light and darkness, spring and summer, fall and winter. As the psalmist observes these things, he did not, as modern man does, speak about Mother Earth or the laws of nature. He did not give credit to an intelligent design either. No, he praises God. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. He perceived his father's breath in the winds. He did not say, oh, see how the wind blows. But he said, look at how the Father uses the wind as his messenger. In verse 4, and when the sun arose, he did not just marvel at that miracle, but he marveled at his heavenly Father who caused this to happen. In everything he saw, he saw his heavenly Father as the almighty creator who upholds all things 
and who governs all things. Is that also how you see the world? Do you stand in awe every day at the work of creation of your Heavenly Father? Do you stand still once in a while and drink it all in and give thanks to God and praise Him? Or do you see nothing but doom and gloom? Do you see the hand of your Heavenly Father when the first snow falls out of the sky? Do you see the miracle just of each snowflake? Unlike artificial snow, there is not one snowflake falling from the sky that is the same as the other. Billions upon billions of snowflakes fall to the ground and not one of them is the same. That's God's doing. Do you see the miracle in a house plant as it unfolds its leaves and produces flowers? Do you hear the birds singing and see the beauty of it all? How God created that bird and how he provides for him every day, making sure that he has food and drink. It's absolutely marvelous the way God has created all things. And mankind continues to discover more and more. And that is because God made the earth so beautifully with so many elements that innumerable new things are ready to be discovered. Think about what has been discovered just in the past century. Man discovered, for example, that he could communicate through radio waves and telephone lines. Man discovered how to harness steam powerful enough to push a locomotive along rail lines. Man discovered electricity. Man discovered flight. He discovered even that he could fly to the moon. He discovered the computer chip. And so the list can go on and on and on. There are so many other things yet to be discovered. God put it all there for his glory and for us to discover and enjoy and marvel at. Man has only scratched the surface. Why did he make these things? He gave these things to man to satisfy his curiosity and to keep him busy. He gave these things to man to exercise his cultural mandate. He made them for man to discover them so that they could give glory to God. That was the ultimate purpose, to give glory to God, just as the psalmist does. He gave it so that they could see the hand of God in everything and, they, and that they would not have to be afraid. God wants us to stand in awe of his creation and therefore to stand in awe of him. I once read a story about a father and a little boy that struck me. This was his habit. The father was busy at work on his desk by the window, oblivious to his surroundings. When he heard the banging and the clanging of a garbage truck, he looked outside. And there he saw his four-year-old little boy sitting on the curb, watching in awe and wonder at that great big garbage truck that picked up all that garbage in its steel claws and then gobbled it up. 
his eyes almost popped out of his head. And the father saw how awestruck and mesmerized his little boy was by the mechanics of it all. You and I, we're used to these kinds of things, aren't we? If we were to come upon a garbage truck, we would barely give it a glance as we pass by. But to that little boy, that truck was awesome. We pass by so many things, don't we? We take so many things for granted. And brothers and sisters, it would be good to return to that time in our lives when we stood in awe of everything around us, just like a little child. Have you ever watched a two-year-old exploring his surroundings? He's oblivious to danger and will touch and pick up and look at everything and is spellbound by it all. God's creation is truly awesome. Scriptures often speak about the hands of God. God, of course, doesn't have hands like we do. It's a figure of speech. We do the same. When we have control of a situation, for example, we will say that we have everything in hand. And now, the same thing is true of God regarding creation. He holds it, as it were, in his hand. And so he can shape it and do with it whatever he wants. He is in complete control of it all. There are many things that we cannot hold in our hands. And that's because we're not strong enough. A man cannot hold a mountain or a tree in his hand. And he cannot control all situations. These things are impossible for us. But God's power is such that he can hold all of creation in his mighty hand. He can hold on to the whole earth. He can hold on to the billions upon billions of stars in his hand as well. And whatever may come along, whatever may happen, the situation never gets out of hand. There's no limit to what God can do. He is that powerful. He is that wise. But what does it mean that he upholds it? For we should not think that that is all he does. That's how some people picture it. They think of God as an artist, a sculptor, who, when finished with his creation, puts his sculpture somewhere so that he and others can look at it and admire it. God, however, doesn't do that. He does not just put his creation somewhere for him to gaze at and marvel at. He doesn't just leave it in his hand either so that all he does is to move it and so that he can look at it from all angles. No, God is always busy with his creation. He continues to mold and to shape his creation. He does that with you and me as well. He continues to shape us and to mold us. He's always busy with his hands. His hands are never idle. That's quite clear from Psalm 104. That Psalm describes how God is responsible not only for putting the earth on its foundations, as it says in verse 5, but also for making the, spring, the springs gush forth in the valleys and to give drink to every beast of the field and to give food to the birds in their habitations. He's the one who causes the grass to grow for the cattle and plants for man to cultivate. He is the one who waters the trees so that they can grow and so that the birds can build their nests in them. 
And as it says in verse 19, he also made the moon to mark the seasons. But do you know what is so incredibly wonderful? He takes care, especially of you and me. Having been made in God's image, we are the crown of his creation. We're very special to him. We can trust him. The Catechism tells us that he governs his creation, including all his creation. He governs them, he rules them, he directs their lives. And you can only do that if you have a specific goal in mind. And God does. Everything that happens here on earth with his creatures is directed towards a specific goal. The world is not like a stationary automobile with its engine running in neutral. No, it is going places. It's on the way to somewhere. And God has determined its destination. Nothing and no one can prevent God from realizing the goal that he has set for his creation. Brothers and sisters, did you ever consider that it is a miracle that this world still turns, that many good things still do happen? Because of our sin, creation is spoiled. We have allowed the devil to reign this world, to reign even our hearts and our flesh. And so is it not a miracle that this world is still in existence, that we are still in existence? That God didn't destroy everything after the fall into sin? It's not a miracle that every day babies are still being born? It's not a miracle that the sun shines every day and that creation is being preserved as it is? And these miracles happen only because of one thing. The Lord Jesus Christ came to redeem this world. He makes it possible that we can be alive physically and eternally. He makes it possible that you have food on your table and a roof over your head and clothes. He makes it possible that we can gather together every Sunday. He makes it possible that you can have jobs to keep you busy. He makes it possible that you can enjoy so many good things. Oh yeah, there's pain and sorrow here on this earth. There are many disappointments. But concentrate on something other than those things. God never left the driver's seat. He is still there bringing this whole world to its final destination. Nothing can change that. Think about the fact that you're alive and that you have hope because of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have great hope for the future. The Lord God says that nothing can separate you from his love. And if that's what you concentrate on in this life, then you can also withstand the bumps and the grinds of life. As the Catechism says, he is able to do everything as Almighty God, but he is willing to do that also because he is our Heavenly Father. Our confession says, I trust in him so completely as to have no doubt that he will provide me with all things necessary for body and soul and also turn to my good whatever adversity he sends me in this life of sorrow. 
That's your confession. That's my confession. To trust in him is to know him. How do you know him? Of course, from creation all around you, but especially from his word. God wants us to acknowledge that he is always in control, even when bad things happen. He has made many promises, and all his promises have come true. He gave us the promise of the forgiveness of sins and eternal life, and he kept that promise by giving us his son to die for us, to conquer death so that we could have life. When you don't believe, your life will be full of anxiety. You will be afraid when the economy deteriorates or your health. You will be afraid of the future. Without trusting in God, you will not feel in control. You are set adrift if you don't acknowledge God as your heavenly Father and don't believe in him. And if that's how you go through life, you will not make it to your final destination with your heavenly Father either. Please note that Psalm 104 ends with a curse. After describing God's wonderful creation, the psalmist says, let sinners be consumed from the earth, let the wicked be no more. Do you know why these words are there? Because those who, in spite of the overwhelming evidence of God's existence, stubbornly live as if God does not exist. And if they continue to live that way, they will exist without God forever. And that's hell. In the end, there is no room for those who do not acknowledge our Heavenly Father as the creator of all things, and that he is the one who preserves all things. He is the one who loves you so much that he gave his only son that this world as we now know it can be renewed, totally renewed. Your bodies too. And you'd better acknowledge that now or God will not, will not acknowledge you as his child. And for that reason, right after the curse, he adds once again, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. There is so much reason to praise him, isn't there? For he's going to do away with wickedness and sin on this earth. And that's why he sent his son. He sent his son to do away with sin. He sent his son because he loves us so much that never again do we have to experience sin and misery. So, brothers and sisters, don't look at the dark and gloomy side of life. Don't be anxious and afraid, but look at the beauty of, of God's creation and trust the Almighty God, and he will bring you to your final destination safe and sound. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. Trust in him, for he is not only able to do so as Almighty God, but willing also as a faithful father. Amen.